Welcome to Add Bible, an audio daily devotion from the Ezra Project. Alan J. Huth shares a Bible passage with comments from over 35 years of his personal Bible reading journals and applies the Word of God to our daily lives. Today we begin the book of Acts, and we will look at the book of Acts chapter by chapter for the next 28 days. The book of Acts is also known as the Acts of the Apostles. It was written by Luke, a physician, in about 60 to 62 A.D., which means it was within the lifetime of Jesus, which was probably about 30 to 33 A.D. And Luke is the same author as the gospel that bears his name. And Acts is basically a continuation of that gospel. Let's introduce Acts by going back to Luke chapter 1, verses 1 through 4, where Luke tries to tell us what he was trying to do with both the gospel of Luke and the book of Acts. Luke chapter 1, verses 1 through 4, give us Luke's intent. He said, Inasmuch as many have undertaken to compile a narrative of the things that have been accomplished among us, just as those who from the beginning were eyewitnesses and ministers of the word have delivered them to us, it seemed good to me also, having followed all things closely for some time past, to write an orderly account for you, most excellent Theophilus, that you may have certainty concerning the things you have been taught. So that's Luke's intent in the Gospel and in the book of Acts, is to just record an accurate record of the things that people had seen while in their lifetime. Acts covers the physical resurrection of Jesus Christ, the arrival of the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost, the conversion of Saul to Paul, and the building of the church through persecution and hardship to far-flung places in Africa, Asia, and Europe. A common pattern keeps getting repeated in Acts. Christian leaders rise and preach the gospel. Listeners are converted and added to the new church. Opponents, both Jews and Gentiles, persecute the Christian leaders. God intervenes to rescue those leaders or protect his church. You'll see that pattern over and over in these next 28 days as we enjoy the book of Acts. We begin with chapter 1, read by Faith Comes by Hearing. Acts. Acts 1. In the first book, O Theophilus, I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach, until the day when he was taken up, after he had given commands through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. He presented himself alive to them after his suffering by many proofs, appearing to them during forty days and speaking about the kingdom of God. And while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which, he said, You heard from me. For John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, It is not for you to know times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. And when he had said these things, as they were looking on, he was lifted up, and a cloud took him out of their sight. And while they were gazing into heaven as he went, behold, two men stood by them in white robes and said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven, will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. Then they returned to Jerusalem from the mount called Olivet, which is near Jerusalem, a Sabbath day's journey away. And when they had entered, they went up to the upper room 
where they were staying, Peter and John and James and Andrew, Philip and Thomas, Bartholomew and Matthew, James the son of Alphaeus, and Simon the zealot, and Judas the son of James. All these with one accord were devoting themselves to prayer, together with the women and Mary the mother of Jesus and his brothers. In those days Peter stood up among the brothers, the company of persons was in all about one hundred twenty, and said, Brothers, the scripture had to be fulfilled, which the Holy Spirit spoke beforehand by the mouth of David concerning Judas, who became a guide to those who arrested Jesus. For he was numbered among us and was allotted his share in this ministry. Now this man acquired a field with the reward of his wickedness, and falling headlong he burst open in the middle and all his bowels gushed out. And it became known to all the inhabitants of Jerusalem, so that the field was called in their own language a caldama, that is, field of blood. For it is written in the book of Psalms, May his camp become desolate, and let there be no one to dwell in it, and let another take his office. So one of the men who have accompanied us during all the time that the Lord Jesus went in and out among us, beginning from the baptism of John until the day when he was taken up from us, one of these men must become with us a witness to his resurrection. And they put forward two, Joseph called Barsabbas, who was also called Justice, and Matthias. And they prayed and said, You, Lord, who know the hearts of all, show which one of these two you have chosen to take the place in this ministry and apostleship from which Judas turned aside to go to his own place. And they cast lots for them, and the lot fell on Matthias, and he was numbered with the eleven apostles. In the third verse of this chapter, Luke says he presented himself alive to them after his suffering by many proofs, appearing to them during forty days and speaking about the kingdom of God. That's Jesus. He just matter-of-factly says that Jesus appeared after his death, burial, and resurrection to his apostles. I mean, we just can't gloss over that, can we? But Luke writes it as just like a matter of fact. It's not a big deal. It's not something that we have to think about. Was it true or not? It happened, and that's what Luke records. And so now Jesus is speaking to his apostles, and he reminds them that they will receive power. Verse 8, one of the great verses of Scripture. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. I like to go back to my journals. and In the book of Acts, I probably will use the journal in 1992 and also the journal in 2007. And so one of the first times that I ever read Acts, I wrote about that verse, 1-8. I wrote, You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. They will be with one mind, and they were continually devoting themselves to prayer as they were filled with the Holy Spirit. And so God instructs us, not just them, but us, to be his witnesses in Jerusalem, which is our hometown, in Judea, the area around us, Samaria, might be our country, and to the end of the earth. It's our responsibility to be his witnesses, according to 1.8. In the third verse of the opening chapter of Acts, Luke reminds us that Jesus presented himself alive. He appeared to them during 40 days. I mean, he doesn't question it. It's a matter of fact that Jesus, after his death, burial, and resurrection, appeared to not only his apostles, but many people. 
and that Luke records this as just part of history. That's great and that's amazing and that helps us believe in the power of the resurrection of Jesus. Jesus then instructs his apostles as to what they're to do next. And he says in verse 8, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. So the Holy Spirit is going to come upon them. They're to wait in Jerusalem for this to happen. And by the power of the Holy Spirit, they are to be witnesses. In Jerusalem, which is their hometown, in Judea, which is maybe like our state, Samaria might be our nation, and to the end of the earth. Not only for them, but also for us. As the Holy Spirit enters us, enters our lives, comes upon us, we too are called to be witnesses for Jesus in our own communities and to the ends of the earth. One of the first times I read the book of Acts was back in 1992. I recorded in my journal as I read this chapter, this very verse, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And then after that, you will all be of one mind. And they were continually devoting themselves to prayer, which is in verse 14. As they received the power of the Holy Spirit, they came together and they were in prayer. And I'm sure we do that as well as we gather together for prayer meetings, pray for it with our families, our friends. And then lastly, I wrote that they were all to be filled with the Holy Spirit, which will occur in the next chapter. In 2007, as I read this chapter, I wrote, Why is the Bible not believable? Luke records events as an eyewitness. Today, if we have an eyewitness, we tend to believe them. So why not the Bible? Luke says Jesus appeared to his disciples over a period of 40 days after his crucifixion. They saw him. They saw him ascend into heaven. These appearances empowered the disciples. So we got to think about that too. Why is the Bible so controversial? Why isn't it believable? Here are people who saw these very things and Luke simply records them. If this happened today, if there was a car accident and there were people who were reporting on it, they would talk to the eyewitnesses, wouldn't they, and get a first-hand account of what happened. And that's all Luke is doing here, is sharing with people who saw these things and recording them. That ought to give us great confidence in what we're reading. Can you also imagine seeing Jesus raised into heaven, ascended into heaven, as they were standing there watching him? He just rises up in a cloud and goes to heaven, and then angels speak to them. Men of Galilee, why do you stand here looking into heaven? This Jesus, who was taken up from you into heaven, will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. There's a guarantee right there, friends, that there will be the second coming of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Lastly, there's probably a pretty good example of how to choose leaders or how to pick people. Judas is gone. You remember he betrayed Jesus, so he is gone. And there were 12 apostles, so they wanted to replace Judas with one who had been around Jesus the whole time that he was walking on earth. And so how did they do it? First of all, they went to the scriptures and they found proof of what they were to do. You see Peter quoting the book of Psalms there, and he says, let another take his office. So when we're trying to make a decision about leadership, we ought to go to the scriptures and get some guidance. And then secondly, they prayed. And we too should pray because it says that the Lord knows the hearts of all men. So we pray and then we vote or they cast lots or we vote and we select our leaders. And so those are good examples of things we ought to do to pick our leaders in Christianity.
And as we wrap up our time in Acts chapter 1, let's not forget that little phrase that says there in verse 24, the Lord who knows the hearts of all. Yes, he knows our hearts. He knows your heart and he knows my heart. What's in your heart today? Are you thinking about being empowered by the Holy Spirit? Are you thinking about being a witness for him today as you go about your daily activities? Father, we pray and thanks that these people saw you after you raised from the dead. They saw you ascend into heaven. You mingled with people for 40 days. No wonder these apostles were empowered when you left. And then, Lord, they waited for the Holy Spirit. We, too, look forward to having the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives so that we can truly be a witness for you today. In the name of Jesus, the resurrected Savior, we pray. Amen.